0: Nicola Everett. Hello, hope you're okay and had a good weekend. Thanks ever so much for downloading today's podcast on Monday, January the 15th. And our top story today is that a charity in Dover is calling for a fresh approach to stop the boats following the deaths of five asylum seekers in the Channel. 32 others were rescued after a vessel got into difficulty near a beach in northern France in the early hours of yesterday. 124 refugees arrived in Kent on Saturday after 26 days without any crossings when well, lucy spoke to kay marsh from Samfire shortly after the tragedy on sunday it's
1: devastating um we've just had 26 days i believe over christmas where there were no recorded small boat crossings that ended yesterday morning uh, i believe a boat reached Dover yesterday morning on saturday um obviously this first thing sunday morning has now happened it, it's just awful You know, there was not even any um, Coast Guard involvement because it happened so close to the beach. And it just goes to show when it's so cold and just so dark in a place like that, even before you've even left, it's dangerous. You know, you don't have to be in the middle of the channel for it to be um, a risk to life.
2: It has been so cold these last few days and nights, hasn't it? I mean, what must it have been like for those people who were on that boat?
1: It's terrifying to even think about it. You know, being in the dark and the cold anyway is just frightening in such a situation. But that water would have been absolutely freezing. Like I can't even imagine how cold it was. As you know, the temperature um, in Dover at least has dropped in the last week or two. So I assume the same happened in Calais. Yes, it's really scary.
2: And as you said, we had a period where we had no crossings for quite a while. Why do you think they've suddenly started again?
1: Yeah, so 26 days over Christmas. Um, it's quite a long time, really. And I guess, you know, I was checking every day to make sure still no no boat crossings. And it, it was nice to see that nobody was crossing and obviously uh, risking their life. Um, yeah, I wish more had been done during that time, you know. I think it had everything to do with the weather. You know, the conditions have been awful over Christmas. We've been battling major storms, uh, cold weather uh, that just keeps getting colder. We've had snow. And I th- it was all down to the weather why we saw the boat stop.
2: Of course, the government are uh, pushing their Rwanda asylum bill, which is going to be back in the Commons this coming week. Um, do you think that's the solution to this? Absolutely not.
1: The Rwanda scheme will not solve this problem. It will exacerbate this problem and um, it will put traumatised, vulnerable people in, in just a horrific situation. Um, the, the, the facility itself is small. They're touting it as a solution to everything and it just isn't. And, they, you know, there's no proof that it's going to solve anything. I don't think that has any bearing on why the boat stopped briefly. Um, I'm unsure actually how much information makes it um, to Northern France and how much people actually know before they get in that boat to come over, what to expect when they get here. Um, But no, we need, this needs to be, we're at the beginning of the year, it's a fresh start. You know, it needs to be the catalyst for change. This now, this loss of life so early on in the year needs to be the turning point. And this is a humanitarian issue. We need to see these as human beings. We need a compassionate solution. We need safe and legal routes to asylum in the UK. We need to take away that need for anybody to get in that small boat or even think about taking such such dangerous routes here.
0: And the Home Office has provided this statement. These deaths are devastating and our thoughts are with the victims' families and friends. This is another reminder of the extreme dangers of crossing the Channel in these unseaworthy vessels and how vital it is that we stop the boats and prevent people from making these perilous journeys. It comes ahead of the government's controversial Rwanda scheme returning to the Commons from tomorrow. Kent Online News. Now, this is one of our most read stories on the website today. A man's been winched to safety during a huge emergency operation at Herne Bay Seafront. If you head to the website today, you can see pictures and video from the scene. Police, paramedics, firefighters and the Coast Guard were called to Central Parade following reports of someone in difficulty in the water yesterday evening. The man has now been passed into the care of of health professionals. A Ramsgate man has avoided prison after admitting stalking and emotionally blackmailing his ex-girlfriend. Edward Elliot hinted at taking his own life in text messages and emails and bombarded his victim with unwanted gifts and even turned up at a house. The 26-year-old who lives in Brindle Grove has been given a 12-month suspended sentence and made subject to a six-year restraining order. It's thought a car fire on farmland in Margate was started deliberately. Crews were called to Broadley Road on Friday night and spent an hour putting out the flames. No one was hurt and police are now investigating. Meantime, five fire engines have been sent to tackle a house fire near Hythe, the detached property on Sandling Road in Saltwood, caught alight yesterday afternoon. 25 firefighters were needed to tackle the flames. Thankfully, no one was hurt. reports reports found not enough progress has been made in some areas to improve a Kemp prison. Inspectors visited HMP Maidstone for a review after initially raising concerns in 2022. Some issues have been addressed, but there's still a lack of programmes to address offending behaviour and problems with the access and quality of education. Next today, an Kent toddler who underwent a life-saving liver transplant is celebrating her second birthday. Gracie Harwood from Strood was diagnosed with a rare liver disease at just eight weeks old and was given only two years to live without a transplant. Well, Luckily, her mum, Ray, was found to be a match and donated 20% of her liver. She's been speaking to reporter Keeley Greenwood.
2: They took 20% of my liver and that was transplanted into Gracie and that will just grow with her. So that will just grow with her and just act like a normal full-size liver. Um, and the piece that they took from me grew back in, in seven weeks.
3: Wow. Um,
2: I know it's incredible and so they told me when when I had the ultrasound like after I think it was like a six-week check they said yeah it's um it's a different shape but it's you're back to full capacity so wow. yeah so it's quite back. lovely to think you there's a bit of you inside Gracie yeah yeah mm. always I'll, I'll always be with her no matter yeah. what um oh, that's cute. so yeah she's um she she recovered very very well from her transplant and I think a lot of that they say that where there's a if you've got a DNA match with the transplant it it makes the chance of rejection a lot less oh yeah so that helped with that because there's all there's always a chance of rejection as well even from sort of family donors there's there's still a chance of rejection um and yeah she didn't have any of that um she she made a very very good recovery she was ready for discharge after like 13 days which is like really really like a really short amount of time for transplant babies you you we were told to expect like four to six weeks oh right wow. but she just she just completely smashed it Um, Aww. yeah she did she had a small setback we got home the night that we got home she developed a temperature and we ended up going back into medway and she was septic that was that was really really scary because that's probably the most scared I've been through all of this because it's very um it can go really quickly sexist, can't it so um she was yeah she was taken from medway back up to king's and then sort of after a few days back home again so it was a another sort of little um bump to get over but she she was she smashed it as as per usual um yeah so how old is she now um, She's nearly two, so she'll be two on the twenty fifth of January. So she's just nearly two. Oh, and, and she she's like a, a normal two year old now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, she is. You wouldn't, you wouldn't know by looking at her that she's been through all of this. She's um, she's back to sort of like a normal size now. She's, she's, sometimes naughty. <laughs> she's sometimes <laughs> she's chatting. She's um, she's jumping around. She's climbing the furniture. She's doing everything that you would expect a two-year-old to do she's got a huge scar across her tummy but you don't really see that and um not them really, um, it wouldn't matter if anybody did see it anyway um and yeah she's she she still takes a lot of medication right. and she's got some lifelong meds because she'll always have the anti-rejection medication right. and some of the side effects of that mean that so she has to take other stuff just to um keep her ticking over but otherwise you really wouldn't know what she's been through and Aww. she's such a happy baby the whole way through all of this even from the very beginning all the doctors I would always say she's the happiest baby on the world like even even at her poorliest, she was Still smiling, she's just a
0: really happy kid. Kent Online reports people living in a village near Dover are so fed up with the state of the roads, they've set up a pressure group. Westhoffham only has a population of around 600 people, but the roads have an estimated 90 potholes that's one for every sixth person. Well, Steve Oxenham has started a pressure group and is demanding action.
4: The state of the roads are appalling, there are four ways into the uh, village. And they're all blocked for one reason or another. Uh, the matters have been re- reported to the Highways Agency, and absolutely nothing has been done.
2: Roughly how many potholes do you think are on your roads?
4: I'm guessing, uh, but I know of at least 78. Yeah. Um, so guess? I would have thought 80, 90.
0: Yeah. Um, I mean, this is
4: a very small village. I mean, we only have uh, 240 houses and a population of less than 600. So that's a, high, a very high figure.
2: Mm. And what do you think KCC needs to do? Obviously they've been out occasionally and done sort of temporary fixes, but they very quickly wear away. What needs to be done?
4: They need to stop sitting on their hands, get out of their ivory towers and see firsthand what we have to put up with on a daily basis. We get the same platitudes time and time again, that there's no money and we understand all that. Well, go and find the money. Uh, Out of all the issues in Kent, uh, the roads is the biggest one. So divert your financial resources onto that at the expense of whatever. And if you haven't got the money, go and whinge to central government like we're whinging to you.
2: At the minute, there's sort of only one route into the village out of four that's sort of semi-safe.
4: Semi-passable. It would certainly be dangerous to anyone that didn't know the pits and falls of that particular road that there's one particular pothole that's over two feet deep. Uh, It's been reported to KCC, they've done nothing about it. I personally, as a parishioner of this village, went along with a cone and placed it in there, and it was so bad you could only see the top 10 inches of the cone. Um, It's disgusting. Um, we've had enough.
0: Steve was speaking to reporter Chantal Weller as we mark National Pothole Day where the County Council say critical safety defects have been repaired in the area with planned drainage works expected for next month. CCTV cameras on an historic building in Kent will have to be painted after they were installed without permission. The security cameras on the Grade 2 listed Folkestone Library need to be the colour of bricks after complaints from heritage campaigners. The County Council were also forced to submit retrospective planning permission. There are calls for two so-called ghost roads in Ashford to be open to traffic to ease congestion in the town. Rutledge Avenue and Avocet Way were built in 2017 and connect two new housing estates, but have never been opened to cars or buses. Now, developers say they'll continue to maintain the roads until they're adopted by the council. It's not known yet when that will happen. Kent Online reports... People in a village in North Kent are celebrating news a house won't be built on the car park of their local pub. Residents have campaigned against the four-bedroom property on land behind the Sir John Falstaff in Higham. They've now been told the application has been rejected after council bosses received 75 objection letters and just two in support. Meantime, a Kent housing expert has been giving the Kent Online podcast some insights on how the property market will look throughout 2024. High inflation and And interest rates may have put people off buying a home over the last couple of years. But Margate and Ramsgate have been named amongst the areas most likely to see a rise in property prices this year. Alex has been speaking to Sam Dalton from Wards Estate Agents.
3: There's been some stabilising with some of the pricing. So I think that's positive. Um, The marketplace I particularly cover is more affordable. So we attract a lot of Londoners coming down. There's a lot of suburbs, villagey type areas, so it's good for those wanting to work from home. I think it's looking really positive. Stabilising interest rates has helped, and there's a good variety of property types and styles that will suit most people.
5: Which kind of group of people do you think the market will suit more, buyers or sellers?
3: I think it's actually going to be both now. With the stabilising of the prices, I think that will encourage sellers more because properties won't be selling as fast so that gives them a little bit more time to get their homes ready for the market and gives them an opportunity to not panic buy, but still enough time to choose the best buyer at the best price for their home that's also going to suit them and their time scale.
5: And in the main, what are what are people looking for? I mean, are you having a lot of people show interest from London? Are they still wanting to come to Kent to, you know, get a garden and kind of get out of the city?
3: Very much so. Working from home space is important for a number of people still. Gardens are very popular and parking particularly they're still going to be commuting to work in London and I I think just a better quality of life more greenery easier activities for families and there's plenty of really good things like that around the Kent area.
5: What kind of areas around Kent do you think are going to prove to be the most popular?
3: Definitely seen some popularity I would say in our Dartford, Gravesend, Strood and even Rochester so you've got the um Shopping centre, not far, from, not just on the outskirts of Rainham, you've got Blue Water, um, you're still close to the coast, close to London, train stations, so access to London is good, motorway networks are good. There's a good range of property types, and I think that's what attracts people, modern, older style, all different age ranges. So I think that's where there, there tends to be a lot of movement within those towns as well, as well as people coming down from London.
5: What about house prices? What do you expect to see there across Kent?
3: I think they will stabilise and I think there could be some growth around the sort of maybe 300 to 400 price bracket because that's still quite popular. So there's still some first-time buyers that are wanting to get those two-stroke, three-bedroom properties, but that's also a kind of good price-wise area for people looking to downsize, but also families looking to move up. So if they're currently in an apartment or a flat or a small one or two bedroom I suspect that's probably where that will, that will be still a very popular price brand.
0: Staying with property news and a seafront house in Whitstable has been labelled Kent's most expensive two-bedroom terrace on the market. The property in West Beach is up for sale for a whopping £900,000. That's more than six times the price of the county's cheapest two-bed terrace. The agent says it's all about location. Plans to designate a popular country park in Deal as a nature reserve have been ruled out. Deal Town Council were chasing the state for Betts Country Park to protect it from development. Dover District Council have refused, though, claiming the strategy is unworkable. There are currently two pending applications for the site. Kent Online News. Now, I'm sure you've noticed it has been incredibly cold and gritters have been out overnight as an Arctic blast hits Kent. Temperatures are going to continue to struggle to get much above freezing over the next few days and an amber cold health alert is in force across the county until Friday. That means we're being urged to check on those who are particularly vulnerable. Marco Patania is from the Met Office.
1: We've got high pressure sitting out towards the west of the UK, low pressure towards the east, and that's generating a very cold northerly flow of course it's been very mild for much of the winter but now yeah we are in the grip of a bit of an arctic maritime and northerly airflow and that will bring winter conditions to many parts.
0: Parents have criticised a decision to change the name of a school in North Kent. Hartley Primary Academy in Longfield near Gravesend is going to be called Lee Academy Hartley in future. The school was built back in the 1800s. We're told the decision to alter what it's called was unanimous and included governors and leadership teams. Five Kent projects have been given a total of more than £45,000 by Active Thames to help more people enjoy the river. A sea scout group in Dartford is among those to benefit from the funding and will use the money to help buy two new catamarans. London Youth Rowing have also been given cash to roll out a new programme in Kent Schools. If you follow us on socials, you can see what a sunken cafe and bar near Rochester Castle could look like. Plans have been put in for land behind the former NatWest in the High Street, which is near to where the original medieval gatehouse would have been. The idea is to upgrade the former bank too. And finally, an historic building in In Tunbridge is set to reopen as a cafe and bar 100 years after it was turned into a bank. The market house on the high street used to be a grocery shop before being taken over by NatWest. The branch closed in March last year and it's hoped it'll reopen in the summer.
4: Kent Online
0: Sports Football and Chillingham are up to 8th in League 2 following a win on the road at the weekend for the first time this season they came from behind to get a victory beating Accrington Stanley 2-1 it's also their third league win in a row well here's a reaction from a very pleased head coach Stephen Clements
6: Delighted with the lads I, I, I thought the first half uh, we were marginally the, best, the better team I thought it was a very tight game um, but uh, obviously to, to lose a goal straight after half time we was disappointed but Um, I still believe the boys could come back into it Um, and obviously it's something we haven't done this season though but to to come back and equalise obviously Ollie Hawkins does great from uh, from the corner and and Connor finishes off uh, the the, the, the set play at the back stick and then obviously it's nice that we make some substitutions and they come on and really help the team and that's that's why you have a squad we've got a good squad we've got a strong squad um, and the lads that started the game today done really really well Uh, but the ones that have come on have come on and made a difference and helped us out at the end so I'm delighted with them all and I think it's the first time we've scored two goals away from home this season. It's the first time we've come from behind. We've got quite a few monkeys off our back there, so um it can only give us confidence going forward. And two hundred and ninety-nine Jules
5: fans made the trip, they were really fantastic there in the corner.
6: They were, I met a few on the way and there was a few here early and I went and they were telling me they were leaving really early this morning, sort of six o'clock in the morning they set off and Um, So it's it's a great effort from them. We really appreciate their support, um, and uh, I know the the players do too. And it's obviously it's great when you can come away from home. There's no better feeling for a player um, where you come away from home and you uh, and you and you go and celebrate with your away supporters at the end of the game. So I know the boys are are thrilled that they're all here. And as I say, thanks thanks for their
5: uh, for their efforts. Uh, Three league wins on on the bounce now, which which is which is great. And a home tie home game next week, rather against Forest Green.
6: Yeah, uh, obviously it'll be another tough game, but um, it's obviously nice to put, put a little run together. Uh, the challenge is to have a better second half of the season than we've had in the first, so um, that's the challenge that's been laid down, and let's see if we can do
5: it. We've made a good start.
0: Connor Masterson got the equaliser and also spoke to us after the game.
5: Yeah, I thought we, uh, we battled really hard today. I thought I can good side, move the ball well, and you always have to work hard against them, and I think we, we did, and it was just great to get that goal. It's been a while since Dillingham came from behind to win a game. How, how pleased are you, as a collective, that you've done it today? Yeah, I think that was massive for the group. You know, uh, we've been working hard the last few weeks, and I think everybody can see it's really starting to click now. And the camaraderie in the group, and uh, we're all just buzzing, like we said. And I think because of the camaraderie, we're, we're a tight knit group now, and uh, that's shown on the pitch today. Someone just said, "Nice goal, Con." It was a nice goal. Just talk us through it. Um, well, I have to say, uh, Ollie Hawkins did really well said Thanks, Holly Hawks. Um, he came. He headed it back across the goal, and I was just in the right spot again, and nodded at home. So I'm happy. <laughs> that seemed to give us the momentum, and then the substitutions worked as well. Jaden yeah. Clark offering that pace on the right hand side, McCooly Bond with that physicality mm. up top, and great to see him get the goal. Yeah, I thought you know, Macker I've obviously played with Macker at other clubs as well, I know what he's like. He's a handful, and he's a good guy as well and I'm delighted for him to, to score and I thought uh, Lapu came on did brilliant and I thought Max Clark at the end winning headers and stuff it was a real squad uh, performance today squad win today and that's it's always nice that is and three wins three league wins in a row that's really encouraging for the second half of the campaign yeah yeah it's, it's great we just have to keep the momentum going like uh, we were speaking in the, the change room now with a big game at home Forest Green and Cade away and their games, we really think we can win, so we just have to keep going.
4: The manager was at pains to mention the uh, the set pieces and the work that the uh, coaching staff do, people like Darren. Yeah. And great when it pays off for them, isn't it?
5: Yeah, it's brilliant because we do work on them a lot and uh, work today, so we're all buzzing and Darren's buzzing in there. He's having a little, a little uh, handshake to everybody, so he's very happy. Yeah, it's always, we haven't scored, I don't think, in a set piece in a while, so actually, my last goal was a set piece, yeah. so. It's been a few games, so yeah, it's great for all of us.
0: On to ice hockey now. And Kent's Invicta Dynamos have lost to Streatham in the South Division 1. They were beaten 8-3 at the ice rink in Gillingham last night. Saturday's Southern Cup game between the two sides had to be called off after a fight broke out during the match. And in tennis, Kent's Emma Rajukanu says she's hoping to build some consistency ahead of her first-round match at the Australian Open. She's taking on America's Shelby Rogers early tomorrow. The 21-year-old from Orpington is coming back from eight months out following surgery from wrist and ankle injuries but that's all from us for today thanks ever so much for listening don't forget you can follow us on facebook x instagram tiktok and threads you can also get details on the top stories direct to your email each morning via the briefing to sign up to that you just need to head to kentonline.co.uk news you can trust this is the kent online podcast